0: Hi, this is Adrian Smith from Our Maiden. You're listening to Sonic Perspectives.
1: everyone, and welcome to another interview of Sonic Perspectives. I'm Rodrigo, and my guest today is Mr. Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden. Adrian, great to have you here with us.
0: Ah, thank you. Nice. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're here to promote uh, your upcoming book, Monsters of River and Rock. Was it always a goal of yours to write this book or not? Well,
0: not really. I um, It just, just sort of came about... In the last couple of years,
2: really.
0: Mm. The book's actually already released. I think it came out in North America on the third of uh, September, I think, or no, sorry, third of November. And um, well, it was just something I was encouraged to do. And once I started doing it, I, I, I kind of, I found it just kind of flowed out. So, uh, but no, I, I never had it planned to write a official book. All
1: right. And how long did it take you to write the whole thing from a first draft up uh, to the final result?
0: Well, um, it was probably over a period of a couple of years. You know, there were months where I didn't, I didn't do it, but I, I kind of saved my writing for when I was on the road with the band, Maiden, and, made them, and uh, you get a lot of downtimes down in hotels and on planes and waiting around. So, yeah, uh, I did I actually did a lot of it on the road.
1: Oh, cool, cool. And instead of the typical biography, you chose to talk about fishing, uh, with sprinkles of information about your life in the music business. Was it a concern of yours to try and balance these subjects or not?
0: Well, it started out as a pure, you know, purely a fishing book, and then I just thought it would make it a bit more interesting. Um, I mean, I have done a lot of fishing all over the world. I've been, I've been an angler since uh, I can remember, you know, as a small child. New child. Um, but um, I thought I'd do a sort of a timeline from, from when I was very young uh, and what I was into I was into my fishing and, and, and football and stuff like that soccer and then I discovered music when I was about 15 and I gave up uh, everything else and just concentrated on music and I got back into fishing when I was when I when I joined Iron Maiden funny enough um, <laughs> I, I didn't fish for about 10 years you know just concentrating on trying to make it as a, as a musician Right. And when I joined uh, Iron Maiden, it turned out that Clive Burr, the, uh, the drummer at the time, was uh, it's the same as me. He was a very keen angler as well, but he hadn't gone for a while. So we started to go fishing, and that's how I, I rediscovered my sort of love of it, really. Right. And uh, I didn't look back. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's,
1: Right. Um, on a side note, uh, it was great of you to include a glossary at the end, for those of us who are not 100% familiar with the fishing terms. Uh, but I'd say it's an entertaining book for anglers, even if one completely ignores your history with Maiden. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Well, I think, um, actually, I was surprised. There's quite a lot of non-fishing content in there now. I'd say it's about 70, 30, you know, yeah. emphasis on fishing. Yeah. It was supposed to be a fishing book, but I just thought it'd be fun to... Because of my lot, a lot of my fishing experiences were on the road with Iron Maiden. You know, mm-hmm. for instance, when we were recording in the, in the Bahamas in the eighties, we did quite a few albums out of Compass Point in Uh and you know, I I I, I started uh, fishing for the for the bonefish around there. You know, um, which I are still doing uh, while we were recording the album. Uh, so you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are, that are intertwined with it. Um, and I, I just managed to sort of connect the two because, you know, two of my great passions, music and fishing. Right. And, um, you yeah. know, there's, a, there's a lot of music stories, you know, if there's a chapter about New York, for example, and I just I just go back over the third time I went to New York, you know, and the first ever American tour we did with a band you know, supporting Judas Priest. We were only in our early 20s, you know, and yeah. never been to America before. Driving into New York, so I described all that, what it was like, and then we went, uh, we went down to uh, Rio to do the first Rock and Rio festival, that was in the mid eighties, and came back to New York, and we all got sick when we were doing the. Uh, we were supposed to do uh, five nights at the Palladium, but we'd all got the flu. Um, <laughs> and then finally, I, I, I come up to date and. So, you know, last, I, I never think about fishing in, in, in Manhattan when we're playing there because it's so oppressive and there's so many people. But I thought I'd try and go fishing in the Central Park. So there's a bit about that. Yeah, and, uh, bass fishing there and, and just you know, all the crazy things that happen in the park. So you know, that's a sort of a, a, a general play with the quilt, mixing up the, the
1: music and, and the fishing, yeah. Yeah. And one of the most interesting chapters for me is uh, one you just alluded to, when you talk about the very first Rock in Rio, because that was my introduction to Maiden. I was 10 at the time, you know, I'm, I'm Brazilian, so I watched it on a telly. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. So um, can you reflect a little bit on that festival and uh, then coming back many years later to play the same festival? And uh, did you manage to fish in South America at all?
0: Uh, no, it's very difficult to do anything in Rio because the fans are very passionate, and they even back in uh, the third, around the first time of the first Rock in Rio, yeah, um, they were outside the hotel. You couldn't go out of the hotel. I talk about that in a book. How crazy it was! <laughs> even when you sat out on your balcony having breakfast, there'd be people in the buildings, and they were taking photos and looking at you through binoculars. And <laughs> yeah. So you know you couldn't do anything let alone go fishing so yeah. no, I, I, I mean I did a brief there's a, a thing on the, uh, on, the do, on the documentary we, we did about this uh, Rio in 2000 when I go out and I fished off the cliff there in, uh, in the uh, off Coca Cabana fishing but uh, no I haven't fished there but um, yeah, Rocking Rio was very memorable that first time it was very. It wasn't so well organised as it is now. I mean, it's Superbly well organised now. But back then it was a bit chaotic. And I described that. And we played opening up. We I think White Snake and Queen were on the bill that day. Yeah. And uh, I talk about it in the book when I, I came back from we finished our set and as as a uh, as uh, we were passing Queen's dressing room, I heard them rehearsing Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, just the vocals, and it was outside listening to and it was amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the, the story I love the most is how you met Dave Murray and about the first songs you played together with you singing. <laughs> Do you guys often talk about that and reflect about uh, how far you've come?
0: Well, this is it. It's, it's quite incredible that Dave, Dave Murray and I hooked up when we were around 15 years old, maybe 15, 16. We were probably the only two kids in our neighborhood who liked sort of hard rock. Mm. Uh, we discovered Deep Purple and Jimi Hendrix and all that and uh, we used to, we used to uh, ruin uh, parties by putting on Deep Purple records and all, uh, all the kids wanted to listen to pop music but so, so that's how we, we found our you know common love in um, rock music and um, yeah I just described in the book how, how we met and uh, the first time we played together uh, both teaching me guitar me singing you know um, I think the first ever song we played together was um, Silver Machine by Hawkwind. Yeah. And uh, I think there was another kid called Dave Murray, and there's two of us, and we were playing through one amplifier, two guitars, and it was an absolute thrill just hearing for the first time uh, yeah. Dave playing electric guitar, and he was. Same sound. It's funny. I remember his sound hasn't changed no matter what guitar amplifier you use. The sound that you make is mainly in your technique, in your hand So, oh yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, who would you say is more obsessed with their own gear, anglers or guitar players?
0: Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> I think many guys in general we love our toys, don't we?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I yeah,
0: I love uh, you know music shops and I love fishing tackle shops and I am a, a bit of a gear junkie. I, I have a I have a, a room where you cannot move, I must have 50, 60 rods and mm. you know, 50 wheels. <laughs> I love gear. Um, as far as music equipment, I used to uh, always be searching for the Holy Grail uh, as far as uh, instrument and amplifier, but then I realized it's really in your head and in your hands, you know. And you can have, you know, it doesn't matter really to a Point what, what gear you're using. It's, uh, you use it. It's how you express yourself, you know, physically. Um, it's not about technology. It, having said that, probably, I've got forty or fifty guitars.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> um, in the in the book, you talk about being recognised in New Zealand and people talking about the maiden lyrics. Uh, have you gotten used to fan encounters over time? I mean, how do you react t- to it nowadays?
0: It depends, you know. I mean, when we're on the road, um, and you, you know, you're know, tired, you're doing a lot of travelling, try and, you know, I, I try and think of my the hotel as my home away from home, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I try and relax and, you know, get some space and privacy. It's very hard to have privacy. And, um, you know, if one or two people come up to me and, you know, ask me in, in a civilised way, but sometimes people come up to you and they, and they grab hold of you. And they get too excited, and and, and there's maybe a lot of them, and that's, you know, it's difficult to handle, especially if you're on your own, you know. Right. Um, So, um, I don't mind if, you know, one or two people come up to me, It's no problem. But uh, it's just hard to find a balance on the road between, obviously you want to be nice to your fans, because they're the people who buy your records, and... and, and, uh, got concerts, but on the other hand, you need your privacy as well, Yeah. otherwise you go out of your mind, you know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, you briefly mentioned in the book what it was like to work with Martin Birch. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how he helped shape the Maiden sound in those years, in the mid-80s?
0: Well, it's interesting you say that, about shaping the sound. Um, Martin wasn't the sort of producer who would um, make you sound like weren't, if you know what I mean.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, I mean, some some producers um, would, had their own sound. I mean, Martin let us sound like we sounded. He didn't really, um, he just captured what we were. And that was his strong point. You know, uh, his productions weren't bombastic and overproduced, they were very natural. Um, to be quite honest, sometimes I had a problem with that. I, I thought we sound a bit more fantastic and a bit more mm. bigger sounding but you know that's the way Martin did it and that was his strength and some of the favourite albums I've heard are uh, uh, you know Martin's album I think my favourite all time album is probably Machine Head uh, that's what got me into music and i talk about that in the book as well Yeah, and that's just a very very dry kind of uh, sounds like the band but Martin Another of Martin's strengths was, you know, as a sort of man management, maybe call it, and how he, that's very important for a producer, you've got five personalities in the band and yet you have to balance it and keep everybody happy and and do the best for the overall outcome. So he was very good at that, you know, getting a good performance out of you.
1: Right, That's a good skill to have for a producer, for sure. <laughs> I mean, he was
0: a bit crazy as well. He used to, I mean, he worked very hard, but he used to play very hard as well. And there's a few stories in the book about
1: that. Right, yeah. And you speak humbly uh, in the book about Steve Harris embracing some of your song ideas like Wasted Years, The Final Frontier, Isle of Avalon. It seems to me sometimes you're surprised at how much people enjoy your songs. Am I right in saying that?
0: Um, <laughs> well, I... I in a way I, I you know it's still it's still incredible to me that you know I'm in this position and, yeah you know people people want I listen to what I hear. I think it's amazing but I, I don't get complacent I and mean, every time I I sit down and write a song I want to write you know the best song I've ever written I, you know I want to people to like it you know um I think when you're in a band and I've always done this I've always been a writer whatever band I was in and it's very um you have to kind of open yourself up, when you sit down and and play a song to you know another three or four guys, and they're sitting there looking at you, you know. So come on, then, you know what you got. So it's a little bit of pressure, you know. So you, you're bearing your soul with you, you especially in the old days before you did demos. You just have to sit down and play your song on an acoustic guitar and sing. Right. So you're really putting yourself out of there, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, it's, it's the sort of thing you got to do, it. if you want to make it as a musician, you've got to, you've got to get out of there. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty laid back by nature, but when it comes to music, I've, I, I, you know, I, I know I've got, to, I've got to put myself forward, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh one thing you briefly address in the book is uh, your musical adventures outside of Maiden, uh like uh Adrian Smith and Project, Psycho Motel or Primal Rock Rebellion. Do you think we can see that material bring you know, brought back to life in some incarnation or some sort of touring? Um, yeah, you
0: know, I mean I think the um Psycho Motel stuff got remastered and re released it a while ago. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff, I mean a lot of unreleased stuff I did. Uh, when I wasn't with Maiden. I'm still doing uh, projects outside the band. I've got something coming out now, which is the first track is released uh, on the 8th of uh, December. There's a, there's a world premiere. They're going to play on the i another guy. It's all a bit secret at the moment. But yeah, I, I, I always do stuff outside the band. Um, you know, we have a lot of time off these days, and I like to be busy and I like to be productive.
1: Right So this year is the 40th anniversary of you joining Iron Maiden Did you do anything to celebrate Or did that escape your your mind completely? or? Oh
0: my god, I didn't even think about it to be honest
1: <laughs> That's alright yeah. That's alright
0: <laughs> <laughs> that 40 years, yeah, I suppose it was around September time I, I do remember I do remember joining the band very clearly um, You know, I, I, it's another thing I talk about in the book, you know I was walking down the street, and uh, I bumped into Steve and Dave Murray, and uh, I said, what are you doing? We might meet meet someone in a little while. And I said, well, yeah, give me a call. Because they called me up a few months earlier, and I was busy. I couldn't do it. Of course, after that, they had a a number one album in England, and they'd do it all we kiss, and my band was breaking up. So uh, I was lucky I bumped into them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they asked me against to joint so that, yeah four years ago wow
1: <laughs> yeah a long time <laughs>
0: so I was only 23 years old you know I was a little more than a kid really
1: oh yeah yeah uh, is there anything else you would like to have included in the book but was left out for any particular reason or not
0: um, I, I didn't want to overdo the music stuff because I, you know at some point it might be a, um, just a music uh, autobiography I've still got loads more stories and loads more stuff to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, um, like I said, I think the, the book is probably 30%, you know, non-fishing and 70% fishing. Something. Yeah. Fishing is a, I think I've tried to write about the fishing in an entertaining way and, and give people who don't fish even an insight into why people go fishing and what the benefits are, you know, the mental health benefits and yeah. all that sort of thing and the, and the physical benefits, fresh air and just, it's such a crazy world, you know, uh, and it's so, you become so um, engrossed in the digital world, you know, uh, it's nice to get out into nature and I think it's very important.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Try to emphasize that on the book, yeah.
1: So the final question for me, Adrian, uh did revisiting certain moments in your life teach you any lesson about where you are now while you were writing the book or not?
0: Yeah, I mean it's uh it's almost therapeutic going back over your life and um, you know all the things you've done and it's 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 quite uh, it's quite something to write it all down, you know. Uh, let alone putting it out there for other people. But um um I suppose you know um, you do learn a lot I mean when I was in the band um the first period I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I, I do now you know and I'm I, I feel lucky that I've got uh, like a second bite at the cherry. Right. <laughs> yeah. um so you know I'm, I'm grateful for that and uh, and I'm grateful you know my dad took me fishing when I was a kid because it's given me uh, a lot of great uh, memories over the years and hopefully a few more to come
1: Right, thank you for sharing that So Adrian, thank you so much Enjoy the rest of the year Merry Christmas and I hope to see you on stage again as soon as possible
0: Yeah, I hope so Thank you
1: Thanks, take care Thanks. Bye yes, Bye Bye Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this interview with the legendary Adrian Smith of Iron Maiden. You can listen to it also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to finish the interview with one of Adrian's signature songs, Wasted Years from Iron Maiden. Take care, and rock on!